God is good? And all the time? I'm going to invite you to uh, find your way to Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4. We have been walking through the book of Revelation. We have been uh, looking at the series entitled, The Church is Essential. And we understand the church is essential because Jesus is essential. The question we've been wrestling with is the church effective? And so I want to welcome you here this morning, those of you who are online, those of you here in person. And I want to encourage you as we, um, I have one question, I guess, that we're going to kind of, it's going to drive the entire message this morning. As, as Ben already mentioned, we're going to observe communion here at the end of the service. But the question I want us to wrestle with this morning, and I want you to wrestle with this morning is, a uh, simple question, is he worthy? So, do you believe Jesus is worthy of all honor, glory, power, and praise? Amen. Do you really believe that? Amen. And so we started this series in Revelation chapter 1. We saw understanding the word revelation simply means an unveiling. In Revelation 1, John is on the island of Patmos. He is in the Spirit of God on the Lord's day, and he is, uh, gets a message from God. He gets a vision from God, and, and what is being revealed, what is being unveiled is Jesus himself. And the picture we saw of Jesus uh, that first Sunday several weeks ago was that Jesus is holy. And we as a church, we are to display the glory and the holiness and the power and the might and the majesty of who Jesus is. Is. And then we walked through the seven letters to the seven churches, and it pointed out for many of them some errors in the church and how they were doing church, whether they were just apathetic, whether the stronger word was, you are a dead church. And Pastor Haley, remember he said the problem with them being a dead church was they didn't even know they were dead. We see the same thing last week to the church of Laodicea, that, that they were lukewarm, they were complacent, they were apathetic, and God said they didn't even know that they were lukewarm, complacent, and apathetic. And so as we, we looked at the seven letters, the opportunity for us as a church and for us as an individual is to see, is that me? Am I complacent? Am I lukewarm? Am I possibly my faith dead? And so as we looked at the letters and we kind of evaluate our own life and we evaluate ourselves as an individual, but then us collectively as a body of Christ, it's going to conclude the series here in Revelation 4, 5, that the same way it began with a new image, a new picture, a new revelation of who Jesus is. And we're going to see not only is Jesus holy and not only is he uh, filled with majesty, and we're to display the glory of Christ, but we're going to see that Jesus is worthy. Do you believe Jesus is worthy? And so we're going to look at that this morning, and as we wrestle with this question, is he worthy? We've all declared yes. Probably you online have maybe even typed yes. We here in the building have declared yes, he is worthy. But I want us really to wrestle with the question. Do I really believe he's worthy? If Jesus is worthy of everything, how, how does that play out in my life? What about my priorities? The fact that we've just stated Jesus is worthy, is that evident in my personal priorities? Is the fact that Jesus is worthy, and we've declared that, is that displayed, is that evident not only in, in my priorities, but in my passions. What am I passionate about? 
What about the purpose in which I live? So it's easy for us as churchgoers and people who come every week, even during the pandemic, and say, yes, Jesus is worthy, but let's really dig in and wrestle with the question, is he, is he worthy? Do, do I live like that? In this fresh vision we get in chapter 4, we're going to see that, that, that the, the worship of God the Father is evident. It transitions in chapter 5 that now not just worshiping God the Father, the, the worship is focused on Jesus, God the Son. And the picture this morning is, is what I believe to be an actual event that is going to take place. That we are going to see this morning, as it says in chapter 1, the door is open and, and Jesus sees into heaven. Jesus gets a picture of future events. And we're going to read in the text that says that this is going to happen after this happens. And what that means is, what I believe that to mean is that this is a picture of when the church age ends. When Jesus, and God says to Jesus, go get the church. And the word that we have used is that the church is raptured out. And it's a picture of the church in the presence of God in heaven. And what an awesome opportunity for us this morning to open up our Bible and see what is it going to be like? What is it going to be like when we get into the presence of God? So Revelation chapter number 4, let's begin reading verse number 1. And we're going to read the entire chapter, chapter 4 and chapter 5. I'm just going to kind of point out some things as we go. Again, let's wrestle with the question, is he worthy, and how does that affect my priorities, my passions, and my purpose? Verse 1, after these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. So, so here's the picture we get to see into heaven. John says, and the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me. Remember Revelation chapter 1, 10, in the first vision, he uses the same words to describe the voice of God. It's this loud trumpet. What does the voice say? Come up and I will show you your things which, you may, which must take place after this. Again, after the church is raptured out. Immediately I was in the spirit and behold a throne set in heaven and one set on the throne. Heaven is centered around God the Father on his throne. What, what peace that can bring for us today to realize that even in a pandemic. According to this scripture, where is God right now? He's seated on his throne. God's in control. Aren't you glad for that this morning? God is in control. One sat on the throne, and he who sat there was like a, and, and so we get this description, and again, John does not have all the imagery that we now have, and so he's just trying to describe this, this glorious picture of God on his throne, and, and, the, and the power, and the majesty, and he, he says it like this, he was like a jasper and sardis stone in the appearance, and there was a rainbow around the throne, an appearance like an emerald. Around the throne, there were 24 thrones, and on the thrones, I saw 24 elders sitting. They were clothed in white robes. Again, this picture of clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And they had crowns of gold on their heads. 
And from the throne proceeding lightning, thundering voices, seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And we get this picture again. John is just trying to paint the picture with all the imagery that he has at the time and his limited perspective. And he's just displaying or he's giving us this image of great glory and great majesty and the power of God as God alone sits on his throne. Before, and, and, and he ex- explains there's the 24 elders, and most would say this represents the, the 12 tribes of Israel, the 12 apostles of Christ, but they are a greater representation of all believers in the presence of God. Verse uh, 6, it continues, Before the throne there was a sea of glass like crystal. In the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes, front and back. The first living creature was like a lion, a second living creature like a calf. The third living creature had a face like a man. The fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within. And I read a lot of commentary this past week leading up to this to try to understand what is the four creatures, what is this talking about? You know what every one of the commentaries said? I don't know. <laughs> they don't know, all right? So here's what we feel like the picture is. That all of creation worships the Lord. What does Scripture say? Even the rocks cry out. And we get the picture in Romans of the world is groaning for the day when Jesus will set all things new. But what is the world? What is the 24 elders? What is everyone in the presence of God Saying It says that day and night, they do not rest. And what are they saying? Holy, holy, holy. Could you, could you just look on the screen or maybe on your text and, and read this with me? It says that they rest day or night. Let's say this together. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. That's just, that's just practice. Because if you're a follower of Jesus, what what John sees here is that we, as followers of Jesus, we're going to be sitting at the throne of God. And and what are we going to be saying? Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Can can we do that again? I know half of you are like, I don't know if I'm supposed to be saying this this time or not. We're, We're practicing today to be in the presence of God. But guess what? presence of God is here. It's not just practice that as we say this together as a church, God inhabits the praise of his people. And so they said, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Are you looking forward to that day? Whenever the living creatures, what do they do? Verse 9, they give glory They give honor and thanks to him. Sounds like a good habit for us every day, doesn't it? To give glory and honor 
and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever. The 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne, and they worship him who lives forever and ever. Get the picture here. It says that they were clothed in righteousness. They had crowns of gold on their head, and it says, and they cast their crowns before the the throne. When we get into the presence of God, our response is going to be to fall down before him and to worship him. And the greatest treasure that they had at the time was this crown of gold that they had received. And what is their response in the presence of God is to remove their greatest possession, their greatest thing of value, to take it off their head, to kneel before the Lord and say, you're worthy. And so we see a picture of what's going to take place, but I think we also have to understand that we don't have to wait to give God our greatest value of possession and say, Lord, you are worthy. Verse number 11, it says again, what are they saying? As they bow before the Lord, they said, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. Why? Because you created all things and by your will they exist and were created. God, our creator, sits on his throne in all power and all majesty, and he is worthy of our praise because he is our creator. He is our sustainer. He's the giver of life. He's the giver of eternal life. And so again, I ask the question, is God worthy of your praise? Is he worthy of your time? Is he worthy of your resources? Is he worthy of your passions and your priorities and your purpose? And the answer is yes. And so we see this transition from the worship of God, the Father seated on his throne, and then we have this tension that rises as John is looking in to future events, events that we, followers of Jesus, will be present for. And and, and look what happens, verse number one, chapter five. I saw the right hand of him who sat on the throne, a scroll written inside inside and on the back. It was, in other words, filled, sealed with the seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice. Who is worthy? So the question comes. God has the scroll in his hand. This scroll would represent really the final piece of redemption. The final piece that needs to take place for all of mankind who've given their life to Jesus Christ to finally be reconciled to God the Father. And so we understand the importance because of the questions here that the angel is proposing. Is there anyone worthy? Is there anyone worthy to take the scroll from God the Father? In other words, signifying that this is the final piece of redemption without someone being worthy to grab the scroll, the the title deed as many would claim, without someone worthy of, of, of taking the scroll from the God the Father, redemption will not be complete. So the question is important. Is there anyone worthy? Look what it says in verse number three. And no one in heaven or earth or under earth was able to open the scroll or even to look at it. Think about it for a moment, the heaviness that John has experienced. If no one can open the scroll, if no one can take the scroll, then then redemption is not final. And what is the response to the heaviness? So I wept much. Think about it for a moment from John's perspective. 
John has been persecuted because he is preaching that Jesus is worthy. John has been persecuted because he's saying Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And John is persecuted because he says the only way we can be reconciled to God is through Jesus. And he's put everything into that. And he's exiled onto this island, still hoping that when he leaves this earth, he will enter in the presence of God because he had been reconciled to God the Father. And when he looks and it says, no one is worthy, he weeps because he has been hoping. He's banked his entire life on the reality that redemption is through Jesus. It's a somber moment to look into heaven and see the answer, no one is worthy. Verse five, but it changes. But one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has, look at the word, he has prevailed. Can you say amen to that? Listen, listen to the heaviness. It all of a sudden just changes. But one of the elders says to me, verse 5, Do not weep. John, behold, the lamb of the, excuse me, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, he has prevailed to do what? To open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. In other words, listen, John, redemption is available. Redemption is going to happen. Just hold on, John. Listen, and, and what does John say? Behold, I looked. Think about this now. Wait, there is someone. I look, behold, in the midst of the throne and the four living creatures in the midst of the elders. He's looking, where is the lion? Where is the lion of the tribe of Judah that has prevailed? And John looks and he sees not a lion, but what does he see? The lamb. The lamb. Remember what was said about Jesus when he walked and approached? Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. What does it say? He saw a lamb as though it had been slain. This line of the tribe of Judah that we've been waiting for, that the Old Testament prophets were waiting for, this line of the tribe of Judah, that the Messiah, the one, the promised one from the line of David, is in fact the same person who is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, that Jesus came as a lamb, but one day he's coming back as a lion. And John sees this vision. And look what happens in verse 7. The lamb of God steps forward. Then he came and he took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Think about that for a moment. All the prayers that we've prayed will be fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. What is the response as Jesus who is worthy, the Lamb of God, the Lion of Judah, the one who took my place, the one who held him across for my sins. He grabs the scroll signifying redemption is complete. And at that moment, all of heaven does what? They worship.
Look what it says. You are worthy. Remember the question? The question we asked, the question the angel asked, is there anyone worthy? Jesus steps forward, he grabs the scroll. Redemption is complete, forgiveness is final. We have a home in heaven, we have forgiveness. We, we've been reconciled to God through Jesus. And what is the response in heaven? You are worthy to take the scroll and to open the seals, for you were slain. You have, listen, here, here it is. You have redeemed us to God by your blood. Can you say amen to that? Because Jesus died on the cross, because he shed his blood for my sins, I can be redeemed, I can be reconciled, I can have relationship with God, and one day I will stand in the presence of God and my Savior Jesus, and I will worship them, and I will say these very words. You are worthy. So I ask the question, is Jesus worthy? Listen to what they say. Let's, let's start again. You are worthy to take the scroll to open its seals. For you were slain. You have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. You have made us kings and priests to our God. And what does it say? We shall reign on earth forever. The picture here is very clear. We as followers of Jesus, we will experience this scene. I believe it. I believe we're going to see this scene exactly as John describes it. And we're going to see Jesus, the final piece of redemption. We're going to be a part of it. And our response is simply going to be to worship him and say, God, Jesus, you are worthy. But I want us to understand this morning as, as those of us who have made a decision to follow Jesus. It says here that we have been, been redeemed uh, by, uh, to God by the blood of Jesus Christ. And, and I want everyone to understand this picture here is of the church. And when I say the church, the picture of the church is followers of Jesus. Just because you are a member of a church doesn't mean you're going to be in this story. It's a, it's a decision you have to make, that you have to personally make Jesus your Lord. He died for everyone. But Scripture says, whoever calls on the Lord shall be saved. You have to make the decision. You have to decide that, Jesus, you are my Lord. You are my Savior. And so... This morning, whether you're watching this later recorded, you're here in the building, you're online, right now watching live, if you've never made Jesus your Lord, can I invite you to do that right now? And if you would make that decision to give your life to Christ, the scene that we're looking at, you'll be a part of that. And I want to encourage you with everything I can to call out to God. Seek Jesus. Surrender your life to him. Again, whether you're in the room right now, online, just talk to the Lord. You may say something like this, God, I, I know that I'm a sinner. 
And I believe my sins separate me because you are holy from you. And I confess that I'm a sinner. I confess that Jesus is Lord. I confess that the only way to God is through Jesus. God, I'm asking you in this moment to forgive me and to save me. And if you make that decision today, this scene, this picture here, you'll be a part of it. For all of us that have made that decision, aren't you excited that you're going to get to be a part of that? And can I just invite you, if you made that decision today in, in person, online, later when it's recorded, we want to celebrate that with you. We want to encourage you in your new faith. And so the best way we know how to do that is if you would just text SAVED to, to the number on the screen. We just want to celebrate what God is doing in your life. So this picture of all believers worshiping the Lord, it continues. Look at verse number 11. It says, Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000. Thousands of thousands. Do you get the picture? Everyone in all of creation who's ever cried out to Jesus is standing in the presence of God and standing in the presence of Jesus. And they've just watched this unseen, this, this scene unfold where the angel said, is anyone worthy? No one is worthy. But Jesus steps up and he says, here, I got it. I'm re I've redeemed mankind. And they belong to me. And they respond Worthy is the lamb, verse number 12. They were saying with a loud voice, they were saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Again, I ask the question, is Jesus worthy? And every creature which is in heaven on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea, all that are in them, I heard them saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne. Glory to God the Father. And look what the rest of it says. And to the Lamb forever and ever. And the four living creatures said amen. The 24 elders fell down and he worshiped him who lives forever and ever. The question is Jesus song this morning that we're going to sing before we uh, partake of the elements as a song of response. It kind of plays out this picture that we've just read in Revelation 4 and verse 5, and the question is, is he worthy? And all God's people would say, yes, he is. Some of it may be new to you, and, and if, if you just want to sit and worship and listen, if you know the song or you catch on, it's a song of response. Do you realize the world is broken? Yes. Is he worthy? Yes. Let's worship together.
is broken. We do. Do you feel the shadows deepen? We do. But do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through?
take of these elements we want to repent Lord forgive us of our apathy forgive us of our complacency forgive us Lord for being passionate about things that are temporary forgive us Lord for not living your purposes in our life. Forgive us, Lord, for not having you as the number one priority of our life. God, as we partake of these elements, we ask that we could just say thank you for Jesus. Because in fact, he is worthy. I'm going to ask you to be seated this morning about these three words we've been talking about this morning. The questions we, I think, need to wrestle with ourselves because I, I believe with everything I am that we, we believe Jesus is worthy. I think as we get a deeper understanding of who Christ is, we have to wrestle with these questions every single day. The first one has to do with our, the priorities of our life. Could we say that God is the number one priority of our life? He's the number one passion of our life. Is, is Christ have first place? The truth is, in, in my life, a lot of times other things take the position that God deserves in my heart. reflect on that question. Is the glory of God, does he have number one position in my life? The second question that, that I want us to wrestle with this morning is, is the worship of Jesus the number one passion of our heart? We get passionate about a lot of things, but what should we be most passionate about? And the truth is, if number one, the first question here isn't, if we can't answer that correctly, that God has the number one position in my heart, he's not going to be your number one passion. The same is true for the third question, which, which really deals with our purpose. Is the spread of his glory the number one purpose of your heart? What position does God have in your life right now? What are you most passionate about? Whose purpose are you living for? As we think about this morning, the elements, the bread representing the sinless body of Christ, the blood, the juice representing the shed blood of Christ, it's all a picture of what 
what happens in Revelation chapter 4 and verse 5. Because the sinless Lamb of God shed his blood for us, we can be reconciled to God. I'm going to ask you to, to grab your, your elements. And as we think about this, I, again, as we think about these questions, in 1 Corinthians chapter number 11, Paul tells us before we partake of these elements, before we partake of the elements, Paul says that we are to examine our life. In fact, he says in the last part of that chapter that the church there in Corinth, because they didn't examine their life, they brought upon themselves, because they partook of communion, Lord's table, without repenting of sin, they brought upon themselves sickness, weakness, and some even died. I just want to give you a moment this morning to, to just bow your head in prayer and ask the Lord. Wrestle with these questions. What position does God have? What are you most passionate about? And what purpose are you living for? And if God is not the number one position, your number one passion, fix that now before you partake. as you eat this, you proclaim the Lord's death. It's a proclamation today as we partake this that we belong to Jesus and that we're thankful for Jesus. He said, take, eat, this is my body. I ask you to partake of the bread. Just as the, Jesus gave them bread, he gave him the cup. This is a symbol of the shed blood of Christ. We understand the scripture says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. So as we partake of the element of the juice, it's a proclamation of the shed blood of Christ. He gave them the cup and he said, drink. I invite you to drink that this morning. in scripture when people have an encounter with God it always leads them to fall down and to worship and, and my prayer this morning is that you have had an encounter with God through his word and what is the proper response when we encounter God it's to worship would you stand this morning as we conclude this, this song Conclude the service with this song this morning.